Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. This is your host, Deacon Andrew Brazier. <laughs> you would join with me in bowing your heads as we pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, you have given us so much. You have provided yourself as the all-sufficient sacrifice to cover up so many of our sins. And Lord, if we don't realize it, give us the ability to see just how sinful we creatures are, but then also to lift up our heads to you and see how graceful of a God you are to blot out those sins by delivering us a child that is born, a child who will rule the nations, a king who gave himself up for mere slaves. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. Help us now to have our focus on the word of God that was just read to us. Help us to hear the word that you are giving us today and give us a spirit to listen to those words. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So friends, this week I have to confess that I've read countless passages from Scripture in preparing for this sermon. Not that this sermon is going to be so fantastic because of that preparation, but just to let you know that the Spirit has been leading me through reading through numerous psalms. And I'm just letting you know what I've experienced this week is uh, I started with Psalm 1, and I don't know what, what drew me to it. Well, I do know the Lord drew me to it because it wasn't of my own volition. But I felt something in my, my bones, to be honest with you, to open up psalms and start reading through. And... I've had a Bible, my my wife will tell you I have too many Bibles, which is probably the case. I've got way too many, so if you need one, let me know. But one of them is uh, a copy of the Bible, which does not have the chapters and verses. It's just straightforward, like you're reading a book. And uh, I say it doesn't have the chapters. It does notate what chapter you're on. But it doesn't have the verses, and it's very much laid out like a normal book would be. Because we forget, oftentimes, that the Bible is truly... Not only just a book, but it's a collection of books. And I don't mean to, to, uh, to be off-putting by saying it's just a book, but it truly it, it is a book. That is part of what the Scripture is. And so in order to read a, a book, you don't simply pick it up and, you know, read a few verses of a book and stop, you know, when you read something good. You, you read the entire chapter of the book, and you read the whole book to really understand and get it. And so I started reading Psalms because something that I'd failed to uh, take to heart is that the, the book of Psalms, even though you can pick up a psalm at any time and read something that's really spiritually refreshing, it, it's a well, the Psalms are. Uh, that's probably why the people of God has always loved it so much and why it was the, the song book of ancient Israel. But I digress. But the book of Psalms actually has books within it. It's actually notated in there in your scriptures. Now, you've got to read several of them to get to Thus ends book one, and thus ends book two. And I confess, I did not read the entirety of book one, but something in me, you know, said start reading Psalms. And I started reading through from Psalm 1, and I got to Psalm 24 when 
I felt like what the Lord was putting on my heart, what he was drawing me to do in reading the Psalms was complete for now. And to really have a long introduction to simply say that I read a lot of Psalms is that uh, to point out that in reading the Psalms, what I was gathering, what I was learning was that God is always pointing out from Psalm 1 all the way to the end, a proclamation that the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ is coming and who he is and who he will be. Not only for the people of God, for then the Jewish people in the, in the Old Testament, now the church, but for the entire world, what that means. And so the Psalms describe how even the Gentiles, the nations, would oppose God's anointed one. The anointed one being the Messiah, that is the Christ. And something that I never noticed before is how the first several sets of Psalms describing the coming king of God... It lists out his characteristics and his traits. Now, I'm familiar with, I think we, we all have, if we've grown up in the church, about how the psalm so accurately describes the sufferings of, of Christ, uh, much like Isaiah uh, 53. But from the very beginning of Psalm 1 and through Psalm 23, we're learning about a king and this king and what this king will do. But it's not quite identified who is this king. And that was a theme, if you recall, on several of my sermons. Who is this king? And I think that's why the Spirit of the Lord pushed me to start reading the Psalms. Because I identified this and thought, God is wonderful. Because this was a theme in, in my sermons recently. And now I see where he's really laid it out in his own work of the book of Psalms. And so, very notably, in Psalm 2, it begins with a question. Why do the Gentiles... That is, the nations, why do the Gentiles, why do the nations rage? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? And so this raging, this plotting, it's against God's anointed one, the Messiah, the true king. And in Psalm 24, specifically in verse 10, the identity of this anointed one, this king, is really brought home. Because in verse 24, excuse me, chapter 24, verse 10 of the Psalms, it identifies that this king that King David is writing about is actually, and let me just quote it from David. David says, Psalm 24, 10, Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And that gave me pause, friends. Because as I backtracked through the first 24 Psalms that I was reading, I read and realized how it was describing and pointing to the Lord God who is our King. The same King who came down from heaven and entered into the world, not on a chariot, not on a throne, not on a tank, but in a manger. In a manger. And so... In my readings, just this one psalm kept resonating in my mind. And I started looking back. I was like, I just read these 24 psalms. And I just read it as a book. It's not like I'm boasting about myself. I just, just keep reading. Just keep reading. Maybe make a mental note here and there. And then Psalm 24 is where it hit. I was like, the king is the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. Backtrack, look back through and see all these references to the king. You should do it. I really encourage you. Because you see all these characteristics that the king is describing the Lord God Almighty, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, who is our King. But this one psalm stuck out in my mind. It's Psalm 2. Uh, so if you'd like to turn to it, we have a few Bibles available. 
And I'm going to read through Psalm 2. I know it's off script. It's not part of our lectionary. But trust me. Trust me on this. We're going to get back into the gospel reading that we just heard. And so, <laughs> thank you, Father. And so with Psalm 2, um, it begins, Why do the nations rage? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with an iron rod and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and with joyce with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This psalm spoke to me because we live in a world full of headlines, like the imprisonment of Pastor Wang Yi by the Chinese government for the next nine years. And what is his crime exactly? Well, he runs one of the largest unregistered churches in China. There was another hundred of his parishioners, fellow hundred of his church members, who were detained along with him originally. Most, as I understand it from the reporting, were initially released, but not Pastor Wang Yi. Now, do you know what placed Pastor Yi on the Chinese government's radar in the first place? It's not simply because he's an unregistered uh, church uh, leader. There's plenty of unregistered churches in China, and there's a little bit of a look-the-other-way mentality uh, from what I know when it comes to the Chinese government and these unregistered churches. Now, why did he come on the radar? It's because he spoke out for gospel issues. He spoke out. And what about? He spoke out against forced abortions. He despised the murders caused in the 1989 Tiananmen Square Massacre. He believes that Christ's mission to proclaim the good news to the poor and the year of liberty to the captives is as real today as it was 2,000 years ago. Because our king lives. And because Christ is king, even of the nations. And the nations don't like that. The nations do not like that Christ is king, and they are not. So here now what the New York Times reported earlier this week about Pastor Wang Yi. is quote, He rejected the idea that his church should avoid political issues in order to operate unmolested by the authorities. In a 2017 sermon on the issue, he shared a quote that he attributed to Herman Hess, saying that, quote, it was better to harm your body ten times over than to harm your soul alone. Why do the nations rage? Because of power? Because of pleasure? Because of profits? Mankind's thirst to be as powerful as God did not stop in the Garden of Eden. 
It has been the nature of our own pursuit of what we call happiness from our first sin, and it still dwells within you and within me. Unless, unless we recognize that the Lord God of hosts is king and that we, we are not. This is what we see in the gospel text this morning. Magi. The Magi, or Magi, they were wise men, scholars, astrologers, highly educated men who lived somewhere in the east, perhaps in Persia, perhaps in Babylon. The very same ancient enemy, by the way, who had once destroyed the temple of God, exiled the people of God, and that's the place of all places where these wise men held. These non-Jews, these Gentiles, these heathens who became familiar with the scripture of God by the grace of God, because of the captivity of Israel, they become familiar with the ancient texts of Israel, the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And these Magi centuries later look to the sky and what do they behold? They see a star rise over Israel. And they recall from reading in the book of Numbers, the prophecy uttered by another Gentile, Balaam. Balaam, who was a Gentile, who was hired by a king, a king who opposed God and the people of God. And he was hired to pronounce a curse on the people of God. But, but Balaam could not utter the curse because the Spirit of God descended upon him, this Gentile, to utter prophecies and blessings on the children of Israel. And one of these prophecies from the book of Numbers in chapter 24, verse 17, is that a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. A wise men saw this star rising above Israel and they knew that a king had been born, a star coming from Jacob. Therefore, the scepter would be in the hands of Israel, the scepter representing a king. And so in faith, these Gentiles, these heathens, they set off to pay homage to this king because they recalled the rest of the prophecy from Numbers, namely that this king would rule the nations and defeat his enemies. So where did our wise men go once they saw this star and realized that the prophecy had been complete? They went to the capital of Israel to Jerusalem to see this king. And in our gospel lesson today, we see that when they arrive, they find a king already sitting on a throne who claims to be the king of Israel, the king of the Jews. And this man's name is Herod. These Magi inform King Herod their purpose for traveling afar, and they ask, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now listen to verse 3 of Matthew from chapter 2. How does the king and how does the religious elite respond when the news from the Magi comes on what they had seen and why they had come? When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of where the Christ was to be born. Troubled. 
troubled. The so-called king of the Jews was troubled at the news that the true king of Israel had been born. And notice how the rest of the city, how did they respond? The people of Israel, the Jerusalem, how did they respond? Not with joy that a king had been born, that a prophecy had been fulfilled, that these Magi from the east had seen it and were coming now to worship this true king. No, they were too joined in the trouble feeling of Herod. Only the Gentile Magi seemed to recognize that this is good news, that a king had been born. Yet, why do the nations rage? Because Herod does not repent from this anxiety that he has at being dethroned by God's anointed Messiah. No, instead, he plots and he plots in vain against God's anointed. He tasks the Magi with locating the Christ child in Bethlehem, for that is where Micah the prophet had predicted the Messiah would come from. And that is what Herod learns when he talks to the chief priests and the scribes. So he tasks the Magi, go to Bethlehem and come back and tell me where you find the child so that I may worship him. It's all under a false pretense. Because after the Magi come to find the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, they're warned in a dream to not report back to Herod, but to depart another way and to return home. So Herod never hears back, and he becomes enraged. Furious is how the scripture records it. He never cared to worship the Messiah. He's only concerned with his own vain power of being the so-called king of the Jews. And so what does he do? King Herod orders the killing of all the infant boys aged two and younger who lived not just in Bethlehem, but in the entire region. Why do the nations rage? It was not too long ago that our Psalter reading was Psalm 146. And in verse 3, it cautions, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Avoid placing your trust, your hope, and your dreams, and your desires, and the powerful and the mighty. As they rule for themselves. Do not put your faith in the institutions of mankind. Whether it be a career, a company, a stock market, a hero, or even a friend. For each will let you down at some point. Or worse, will turn on you when it conveniences them at your own expense. Because the problem is, truly, we're too consumed. And we are so consumed with ourselves. That we'll oftentimes put down another in order to advance our own agenda, in order to get ahead, whether it be in life or just to keep our head above water. Because we humans, we desire too much for myself over our neighbor. And this is why the second greatest commandment that our Lord identifies is to love our neighbor as ourself. To love our neighbor as we already love ourselves. And Lord knows we love ourselves way too much as is. And friend, we cannot do that unless we first place our trust, our faith in Him. So do not be deceived. We are all sinners before God's throne. Now we may say to ourselves that I belong to God, but how we treat our neighbors truly tells a story as to whether or not we truly belong to our Savior. 
or if we're just merely claiming it and pronouncing it with our lips. Now, if we really recognize that Jesus is our King, then let us each make the costly sacrifice of giving what is most costly to us. Let's give over our lives to His self. Let's give over our life to His life. Let's give over our goods as His gifts. Let's give over our desires to His love for one another. Now, the Magi, they were heathen in the eyes of the Jews in Jerusalem. They were not God-fearers. The Jews didn't have it out against all the Gentiles in the world, neither does God, for that matter. For many Gentiles came to be God-fearers and joined the people of Israel. Yet, it was these Magi who were not God-fearers who celebrated the birth of the Lord. It was the Magi who traveled hundreds of miles to see Him. While Herod in Jerusalem couldn't travel the six miles to Bethlehem. And it was the Magi who brought costly gifts and worshipped the true king, Jesus. May we, O oh Lord God, reject our false pretenses and our veneer of worshipping him. And instead, what my prayer is, is that instead, Lord, that we come to you on our bended knee and we give ourselves completely to you. As we heard in the epistle reading and what Paul will continue to write in Ephesians, what my prayer is for us is for Lord to give us eyes to see that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, may we each and every one of us have the faith of the Magi to leave everything behind, to go search and to find you. And when we find you as a humble babe in a manger, to bend our knees and give our gifts to you. <coughs> in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, one God. Amen. 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 Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.